So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to go ahead and find 1 Kings chapter 12. And you can stick a bookmark there or a piece of paper because we're going to come there eventually. But you're also going to want to keep a finger in the book of Proverbs because we are going to be jumping around the book of Proverbs a lot this morning. We are in the book of Proverbs. We are in a series that we are calling Proverbs Wisdom for Life. Uh, We have said in the past few weeks that Proverbs is all about wisdom. And we have said that wisdom is... Knowing the right thing to do in the 80-90% of life situations where the moral rules that God gives us do not directly apply. Uh, In other words, wisdom helps us fill in the gaps in our life when God's direct commands to us don't necessarily fit our exact scenario. So wisdom, for example, helps you know whether or not to marry someone, whether or not they're the right person. Wisdom helps you know whether or not to take a job or whether or not to, uh, what college you should go to. Um, It helps you be a good friend. It helps you be a good employee. uh, It helps you be a strong Christian. Wisdom kind of fills in all these gaps. And this morning, we are looking at a very important subject that 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 Proverbs is very concerned with, counsel. In Proverbs 11, 14, will be our main proverb this morning. We just read it. It says, let's look at it again. It says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Now this is, if you were to read the book of Proverbs from end to end, you would find 40 plus, maybe more than that, 40 plus on my count, Proverbs about this topic of counsel, about this need we have for counsel in our lives. Proverbs is very concerned that we have it. And this doesn't seem odd. I mean, I think this is something that our culture as a whole acknowledges. Um, Some of you maybe have counselors in your life. Maybe you've seen a therapist or maybe you have sought legal counsel at some point. Or maybe you just have that person in your life that is your your, your personal counselor. You go to them for advice. uh, You call them all the time. Maybe that's you. Um, I mean, counsel is something that we acknowledge we need. I mean, this is why our president has cabinet. This is why doctors consult with one another. This is why um, the Jedi in Star Wars even have a council together, if you watch Star Wars. We recognize that there is more strength, more safety in numbers, in counsel together, in community. But friends, this is most true when it comes to our faith. Proverbs is very clear that the person who desires to be wise, especially the Christian who desires to be wise, surrounds himself or herself with an abundance of counselors. And that is the main point for us this morning. It will be on the screen. If you're a note taker, you can go ahead and write it down. The main point this morning, in order to live our Christian life well, in order to know the right things to do in the situation that comes, situations that come, we must surround ourselves with counselors. If we want to be wise, then we must have counselors. Now, we're going to break this down as we continue on this morning. And the first thing we're going to look at is just the definition of a counselor. Then we'll look at the the need for a counselor, and then we'll look at the benefits of a counselor. But first, we're just going to talk about the definition. What is a counselor? What does Proverbs mean when it talks about this? And uh, the word may conjure up different images. You may have imagined a lawyer or a therapist or your friend. Uh, when, I, when I hear the word, I immediately think of uh, Wilson from that show, Home Improvement. Have any of y'all seen that show? 
Show of hands, nobody, nobody's seen it? Few people, there you are, yeah. Um, if you have not seen this show, it's, it's really, it's a funny uh, sitcom. It's basically, there's Tim Taylor and his wife and their three kids and they share a backyard. Their, their backyard goes up to the backyard of another neighbor and Wilson is on the other side of the fence and Tim is always putting his foot in his mouth, uh, saying something he shouldn't to his wife or he has an issue with his kids or an issue at work and he's always going to Wilson and Wilson in every episode is giving him counsel over the fence. And so I, I think of that, you may think of, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World or some other um, uh, TV character that's always giving wisdom. But the word counselor here in this passage, it just means a person who advises you and helps you plan or decide something. A counselor is a person who advises you and helps you plan or decide something. Now that's pretty broad. But when we look, so when we look, so we have to kind of look at all of Proverbs. And when we do that, Proverb kind of hones it in for us and helps us really see what kind of counselors we need in our life. And the first thing that Proverbs tells us is that first, a counselor is a godly man or woman. A counselor is a godly man or woman. Proverbs 12.5 says, the thoughts of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. It's encouraging us to be with those that are righteous, those that are godly. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs is very clear that the counsel we need in our life, and we're not talking about the counsel to, you know, that helps you order a, off a menu at a restaurant. We're talking about like, like when you need advice for your life, you know, the count, that kind of counsel, that needs to come from righteous, meaning godly individuals, men and women who are following God. It does not need to come from non-Christians. Now, that sounds kind of harsh, but let me, let me explain with an example here. If you're, if you're married and you need wisdom, you know, you, something's going on in your marriage, you need some wisdom, you need some counsel, you, need, you, would much, you would benefit much more from going to a Christian friend, someone who is godly and living for Christ, because that person is going to advise you with God in mind with Christ in mind and his teaching. But if you were to go to a non-Christian, they would have no concept of God to counsel you. And so to clarify, being friends with non-Christians is not bad. We can even learn so much from non-Christians. But when you need that counsel for your life, Proverbs says, go to a godly man or woman. So that's the first thing Proverbs says about what a counselor is. The second is this. It says, a counselor is a godly man or woman who knows you personally. Proverbs 27.9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. What makes a friend sweet and good and enjoyable, says Proverbs, is his or her earnest counsel. Good counsel comes from a friend who knows you. Not just the good, not just the good laundry, the bad laundry, the dirty laundry, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Good counsel comes from someone who knows you on a very deep level. And this is important for us to consider because there are many um, impersonal places for us to turn today for counsel. Podcasts, books, uh, both good, nothing wrong with those. They have their place. And we, should, and we can find good counsel, good advice from those things. But Proverbs tells us that the best counsel comes from godly men and women in our lives who know us, who know our Enneagram number, who know our personality, who know our failures and our successes, who know our temptations. So the question for each of us, which you're probably already asking, 
Do I have a counselor like this in my life? Do I have a man, a woman, uh, or men or women who are godly and who know me that I can seek counsel in? Hold on to that question in your mind. We're going to come back to it. Because there's another question that some of you might be asking. Sam, why do I need counselors? I mean, okay, obviously you've, you've told us what a counselor is, but why do I need it? Why is Proverbs so heavy that I need counselors, telling me that I need counselors? Well, there are several reasons. They benefit us. Um, I'll talk about a lot of those reasons in the next, the final part. But for now, let's just look at our main need by going back to our, our main proverb this morning. Proverbs eleven fourteen. it says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. Where there is no counsel, Proverbs says, people fall. People fail. Something I love about the book of Proverbs is how the wisdom it gives can be seen in the pages of the Old Testament. So we're going to turn to a story and we're going to see how without counsel, we fall. We're going to read 1 Kings chapter 12. I mentioned that. It'll be on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 19. And uh, let me set the stage for us. Um, We're in the Old Testament. This is the story of God's people Israel. God has redeemed, he's rescued his people Israel out of slavery. He's brought them into the promised land. He's become their God. They are his people. Things are going great. Uh, And then he establishes kings over them. There's three kings, the last of which is Solomon. And then Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, is about to take the throne. And that's where we're going to pick up reading in verse 1 of 1 Kings chapter 12. Here we go. First five verses. Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And as soon as Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt, and they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. So what's happening here? We see kind of there's a dark spot in Israel right now because apparently the, there's kind of this forced labor going on, which is what they were rescued out of in Egypt. So things are not going well right now. And so the people are coming to the new king, Rehoboam, and they're asking, hey, Please lighten the workload on us, this forced labor. It's crushing us, please, and then we will serve you gladly. And Rehoboam says, okay, go away for three days. I'm going to think about it and come back. So let's see what happens after they leave. Verse 6. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon his father while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's thighs. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. 
My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Now, so Rehoboam, that name's hard, Rehoboam seeks counsel with two different groups, the older men and the younger men. The, old, the older men who were godly, who worked with Solomon, who knew, who knew Solomon and knew Rehoboam, and they told him, be merciful. Grant the people's request. That was their counsel. But then Rehoboam goes over to the young people and they tell him, no, oppress them more. Heap on more work. And verse eight tells us that Rehoboam abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him. And the point of the story is not that the older generation is always right and the younger generation is always wrong, though Proverbs does emphasize listening to your elders. So young people, including myself, um, take note. The point though of this story is that Rehoboam receives some godly counsel and he receives some evil counsel. The good counsel was show mercy. The godly counsel was show mercy. The evil counsel was oppress them more. And unfortunately, he takes the wrong counsel. And unsurprisingly, it doesn't go well. Let's see what happens. Verse 12 through 15. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day. As the king said, come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people harshly and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So this goes about, you know, so Rehoboam goes to the people and he says, look, my father disciplined you with whips. I'm going to discipline you with scorpions. He's basically telling them, this is going to be miserable for you. You are not going to be happy under my reign. You are going to serve me and I'm going to crush you. Some of you are bosses in the rooms. Some of you have employees under you. Can you imagine going to your employees and saying this? I mean, is there any way in your mind that you can conceive of this working well? Or if you're an employee and you imagine your boss comes in and does this to you and says, you know what, you're gonna hate working for me. I'm gonna give you so much work um, and pay you less and just this grave and injustice. I mean, you'd be looking for a new job, right? Um, so we can kind of just see this is not gonna go over well. But let's, let's read the conclusion here, verses 16 through 19. And when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, what portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster over the forced over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel had been in rebellion, so, so Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. So essentially what happens is the Israelites are like, fine, you do the work, we're going to our tents. And Rehoboam tries to oppress them, and they essentially chase him out and say, you know what, You're, we're two nations now. Rehoboam, you, you have Judah in the south. Israel is separate from you. And what we see, I mean, this is, I mean, it's a crazy event. This event is one of the most significant events in the history of the Bible because the nation of Israel splits in two. This is the nation that was supposed to be God's chosen people to be a light to the world for God. And it splits in two. Judah in the south, Israel in the north. 
And to be fair, there were problems in Israel before Rehoboam, but his unwillingness to receive godly counsel divided Israel. Where there is no guidance, godly guidance, a people falls. Friends, the story of Rehoboam shows us that neglecting godly counsel in our life, not having it, not seeking it, is foolish. When Rehoboam refused godly counsel, Israel fell. Because it would go on, now as a divided nation, later the Assyrians and Babylonians would conquer them, take them into exile. There's another proverb that is very insightful here. Proverbs 15.32, it says, Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. Friends, we have a fundamental need for counsel. God's word tells us that. We need counsel. If we are not seeking it in our lives, then Proverbs says we are despising ourselves. We see how Rehoboam fell by following bad counsel. You and I need good biblical counsel to live a godly life in all circumstances, to glorify God in our lives. Notice that in our main proverb this morning, Proverbs eleven fourteen, the main benefit it gives of counsel is safety. And you know, you can think of safety, you know, in the immediate context of Proverbs, you know, it's also just about general life. So you can kind of think of this as like, um, this is probably just referring to safety in life. Like, look, you'll, you'll have a safer life if you have counsel. Like, so for example, there is safety in asking an expert contractor's opinion before you tackle a huge DIY project. You might save yourself a couple of electric shocks and a lot of money by asking a professional's help. You know, it's safer to, to, to ask for an opinion. But if we consider this proverb in light of the entire Bible, open it up and really just like see what this is saying to us in light of all of scripture, this word safety takes on a deeper, more spiritual meaning. Think about Rehoboam. He received two very different counsels. It wasn't just that one was bad advice and one was good advice and he just picked the wrong one. The scripture is very clear that one counsel was godly and good, while the other was ungodly and evil. One was merciful, the other was unjust. One was selfless, and the other was selfish. Rehoboam did not just choose the unwise option. He didn't just make a bad and dumb choice. He chose the option that was against God's will. He denied God by his choice. He sinned against God by choosing not what God would want, but what he wanted. He listened to the counsel of sin and evil rather than the counsel of good. And as a result, he strayed out of safety, away from God, and Israel split. Friends, this is a very real danger for us in our Christian life, and it is why we need counsel. We don't want to stray We don't want to stray away from safety into danger, into the consequences of sin. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. It says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. It tells us, be sober-minded, Christian. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Friends, sin and the devil want to become your counselor. 
They're always prowling, Peter says. They're always prowling, looking for someone to devour, trying to replace God as the counselor of your life. And they have a very good trick for doing it. They love to convince us that we are wise in our own eyes, that we know better than God and others. And this was the case with Adam and Eve. The very the first moment of sin in the Bible, Adam and Eve knew what God had told them about the fruit. They knew. They knew it was not the right thing to do. But they saw the tree and its fruit, quote, and they saw that the, the fruit was, quote, good for food, and they ate it. They did what they thought was wise. They listened to the counsel of the evil one. And this led them away from safety, away from God. And it is for that reason that Peter tells us to be sober-minded, be watchful, look out for the enemy. He is on the prowl. Do not be wise in your own eyes. In fact, Proverbs condemns that. It actually says in chapter 26, verse 12, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. There is more hope for a fool than for the man who thinks he does not need counsel in his life, who does not need support, who does not need uh, advice. One way that we are sober-minded, that we, that, we, um, that we are watchful, is by having counselors in our lives. And it is worth noting at this point that in the book of Isaiah, Jesus is referred to as our wonderful counselor. You know, it's a passage that gets quoted at Christmas all the time. You know, Jesus is coming. He is our wonderful counselor. And that is so true. Jesus is the main counselor of each of our lives. He is the one we run to. He advises us. He guides us. Um, If we are going to be safe from sin and its consequences, we must follow the counsel of Jesus. But Proverbs 11.14 says, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. According to Proverbs, we should have an abundance of counselors in our life. God is sufficient, yes. Christ is sufficient, yes. But we should still have an abundance of counselors in our life. Proverbs is telling us that we should have deep community with other Christians. We should not, we must not, for the sake of our spiritual life, not, we must not think of ourselves as wise and therefore no longer in need of other Christians in our life, of their counsel, of their rebuking, of their encouragement, of their wisdom. The counsel of other believers is invaluable in our life. And this brings us to our final section, the benefit of counselors. We've defined it. We've talked about the need. This is the benefit of counselors. The greatest benefit we're already kind of hitting on is just its ability to protect us from sin and sin's consequences, direct us away, uh, to, to keep us on the path that we need to walk. Sin is always seeking to replace God as our counselor. And we are always prone to listen. It's like that that famous hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We are prone to wonder, to follow the counsel of sin, of the evil one. But there is good news, church. Though we are prone to wonder and to sin, we have a wonderful counselor. His name is Jesus, and he is wonderful for three reasons. Number one, Jesus is our wonderful counselor because he has died to deliver us from the deadly spiritual consequences of our sin. 
but he did not stop there. He is also wonderful because he has given us his spirit to dwell within us and guide us. But third, in the focus where we are this morning, our wonderful counselor Jesus is wonderful because he has given us the fellowship of believers, the church. He has blessed us with one another in abundance of counselors, all led by God. The greatest benefit of counselors in your life is that it keeps you on the path of righteousness, God's path. And counsel can look like a lot of different things. Um, It can look like rebuke. It can look like someone coming to you and saying like, hey, you're in sin, get back on the path. Um, But it can also look like encouragement. For example, Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Counsel may look like encouraging one another to trust in the promises of God in the hard seasons of life. It may look like confession. It may look like fellowship. It may look like spurring one another on to good works, sharing what God is doing through your efforts and hearing what God is doing in someone else's life and being spurred on, counseled in that way. The point is this, and then we'll move to application In order to live our Christian life well, in order to know the right things to do, we must surround ourselves with counselors. Otherwise, we are prone to wonder. Now, at this point, I'm going to switch over to some application. And application for this message is both personal and corporate. It is both for you and both for us as Fellowship Bible Church. I'm going to start with kind of a very personal one. Two applications. Number one, seek counsel. Friend, You have a wonderful counselor. He is God. His name is Jesus. He is a counselor that cannot be matched by anything you can find in this world, any person, any place, any podcast, any anything. Proverbs 22:30 says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. God's counsel is perfect because he is God, but God's counsel is also personal. Your counselor died for you. The only counsel he gives you is counsel that is for your good. You know that because he died for you. And it is perfect because he is God, so run to him. Let him be the counselor for your life. How you live, what you think, what you do. Seek his counsel in prayer and in scripture. Maybe this morning you are realizing that you have not let Christ be the main counselor in your life. Maybe you're realizing that you've allowed other things to take his place. Maybe sin. Maybe you're here and you're just realizing I've been living according to, to the desires of my sin. Maybe you've just sought counsel elsewhere or you've read the Bible, but you said, well, but you know what? I just want to do this. And so you've listened to other advice, other counsel. Maybe you've thought of yourself as wiser than God. If this is you, I want to encourage you. This morning, just um, take a moment after church, while we're praying at the end, whenever, and confess your sins to God and seek counsel with him as to how you should live. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote, he said, if Christ has died for my sin, I cannot trifle with the evil that killed my best friend. Confess your sins, run to him, and allow Christ to advise you on how to live your life. I always think about this. Listen, if, you, if we are faithful to listen to the words of Christ, we will not just live a good life or a wise life. 
we will live an eternal life. And if you were here and you were not a Christian, then I just want to ask you to consider the words of Jesus Christ. Consider what he says. Because I guarantee you, if you listen to his words, you will not just live a good life or a happy life or a wise life. You will live an eternal life. A fulfilled life. So that's the first application. Seek counsel. So the second is this. Give and receive counsel. I love this topic because Proverbs just kind of prevent, presents a vision for the church. Something for us to aim at and try to hit as, as a family of believers. Um, and this vision, though, this is a vision that requires all of us. It's, it's not something a few of us can do. It's something that we as a church have to do. The vision that we get from these verses is of a church that meets together to counsel one another, to support one another. In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. This is a vision of a church that meets to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to support one another, to challenge one another to spur one another on to holiness and good works. Let me ask a question that hopefully convicts all of us, including myself, a little healthy conviction. Are you building that vision? Are you being present to support your brothers and sisters in Christ as they support you? Because here's the reality, friends. We cannot counsel and support one another if we do not know one another. Because who wants advice from a stranger? You've all had that happen. Someone's given you advice and you didn't know them and you're like, why, why are you giving me advice? I don't know you. <laughs> We've all had that happen in our lives, but here's the reality. We cannot counsel and support one another if we do not know one another. And we cannot know one another if we do not gather together regularly. That is the reality. So to do what Christ is calling us to do, to live out our faith well, we must be a part of the church. Not a, once, not, not a random attender every now and then. Not a consumer. We must be engaged with the church. When we enter this space on Sunday mornings or when you enter your space with your small group, you have a purpose. You are not there to just consume. You are there to be refreshed, but you are there to be counselors for one another, to be prayer warriors for one another, to be encouragers for one another, and if necessary, to rebuke one another, to keep each other on the path. And now you might say, Sam, I have God. He's my counselor. Why do I need the church? That's a fair question, I think. And you are correct. God, by his spirit, is acting as your counselor. He's guiding you through life. But that does not excuse any of us from the church. In fact, Proverbs is clear that isolation from godly community is foolish. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. The one who isolates himself from godly community breaks out against all sound excuse me, judgment. Sound judgment says that we need counsel. We all need supportive community. We all need deep relationships that we can enjoy here on Sunday morning and enjoy throughout the week. I encourage you to build those relationships. Relationships take time. They do. Start now or continue doing so if you are doing so already. If you need a place to start, commit to being here on Sunday morning. And, and, when, you, and when you commit to being here, don't just come in to sit. Come in to meet people, to know people to pray for those people. 
be present for your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're at home, I know a lot of us are still taking COVID precautions. That is fine. If you're at home, be checking in on your brothers and sisters, encouraging them, sharing with them, opening yourself up to them. Do we not all want that? Do we not all want to be known in this place? No one wants to come in here and not feel known. This is what Proverbs is calling us to aim for, church. How can you bring that vision to bear? Maybe you need to join a small group. Maybe you just need to be intentional when you're here with other Christians, getting to know people. You know, it's so funny. Sometimes the, our, our fear of an awkward conversation keeps us from talking to someone, but sometimes one, one awkward conversation is all that stands between us and a lifelong friend. Maybe you need to commit to attendance. Maybe you need, just need to start opening up more with those in your small group or those here, confessing that you're dealing with sin and letting your brother or sister give you counsel and encouragement. Friends, to bless others with counsel and to be blessed by it ourselves, we have to be present. How can you bring that vision to bear? And for the record, I just want to say, I see so much of this every week at Fellowship Bible Church. I love this church. It is amazing. You, you guys do a fantastic job of this. Every week, I get texts, calls. I'm, I'm in text threads. I see things, and I'm just like, gosh, this church is taking care of each other, supporting one another, counseling one another, and I love it. But I want us to keep pushing toward the goal, including those who are not yet included. I don't want anyone to miss out on the blessing of counsel. I have one more illustration, and then I will be done. David Platt, um, some of you may know him. He's a pastor, former president of the International Mission Board. He wrote a book recently called Something Needs to Change. And in this book, it just chronicles his journey, uh, a journey he took through the, some, some of the mountains in the Himalayas. And Platt was going with some friends, and basically they were going from all these little house churches, just kind of encouraging, bringing teaching that they didn't have, and encouraging these believers there. And you got to remember that this part of the world is very remote. It's very spiritually dark. The gospel, the name of Jesus, is not known there. And so one night, Platt is there. He hikes for days up into these mountains, because that's the only way you can get there, by helicopter or hiking. He hikes up there. They're in this one village. That night, the church is going to gather and so they're eating dinner. Platt steps out on the little porch of the tea hut, and he's kind of looking out at the mountains, and he sees all these little lights. It's nighttime. He sees all these little lights coming up the mountain. And he's wondering, what are those? And his, friend, his, his companion comes out to him and says, he says, um, those are the church members. They're all coming up the mountain to church. When the church gathers in this place, some of its members, a lot of its members, are hiking two hours in freezing cold, treacherous mountain pass in order to be together. And then two hours home. Anyway, the church gathers, 50 people in a small room. They pray, they sing, they listen to Platt teach. And this is where Platt writes. He, he picks in, I want to pick up here in his book. This is what he writes. He says, It's not until I finish, however, that I am most encouraged. After our time in God's word, they begin to share their needs with one another. One older woman in the corner of the room mentions a physical challenge she is facing, and a woman on the other side of the room offers to help take care of her. A young man tells of someone he recently shared the gospel with who is now persecuting him, threatening to harm his family. In response, an older man shares how the same thing happened to him, prompting the pastor to encourage them both based on his own experiences with persecution. That leads to a couple who tell about how they shared the gospel with another family and how that family believed in Jesus. 
they are now thinking about starting a new church in that family's home in a nearby village. Do you see how this church in a remote village in the Himalayas is counseling one another, encouraging one another, spurring one another on, praying for one another, being there for one another? Let's catch that vision, church. I think we are, but I think we can always get better. This sanctuary is not a place where perfectly moral people gather to socialize and hear a lesson. This sanctuary is a place where sinners, saved by the grace of God, come to confess, to encourage, and to counsel one another, to spur one another on toward holiness and good works. Let's be the church. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for this book of Proverbs which reminds us that we need counsel. Lord, we need you most of all. We need your counsel in our lives. We need your guidance. We need your wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you would show us where we have not let you be our counsel, where we have strayed into sin, fallen away. By your spirit, Lord, show us where we need to come back to you and to make you the main voice that we listen to. Convict us, Lord, of those places and Lord, I pray that, uh, that as we come back, Lord, we would know that in you, our sins are forgiven. We don't have to come back with shame or guilt because, Lord, you have removed all of that. Father, I also pray for us as a church. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to counsel one another, to support and love one another, to, to, to challenge one another, rebuke if necessary, Lord, but to push each other, to, 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 to be on the path of righteousness, the path of God. I pray, Lord, that when we come together, we would not come into this place and just be. I pray that we would come in. And as we are refreshed by the word and singing and praying and fellowshipping, I pray that we would know one another that deep friendships would form in this place. As they're already happening, I pray for more. Father, be with all of us. Help us to really think, who do I need to be a counselor in my life? Do I need a counselor? But also, who can I be a counselor for? Who, who, can I, who is there in this church, in my life, that I need to be a counselor for, an encourager for, a prayer warrior for? Father, I pray that you would continue to strengthen this church as you have already done so and already blessed it so much. Thank you for these members. Thank you for those that are at home. Father, we know that there is safety, strength, life in numbers, in community together. Thank you, Lord, for this community. In your name I pray. Amen.